I'm so no. sure. I'll, not sure I'll include that. No, <laughs> that one's kind of like a like a kind of t- sexual zombie noise. That's what I would describe it as. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it's a weird combination of groaning and moaning, but kind of zombieish, <laughs> kind of not. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so this is, this is what a long day does to you, isn't it? Uh, yeah, are you, are you sure you're all right? No, I'm just going to go. <laughs> Goodbye. I'll see this one on my own. <laughs> um, I was going to talk to you about what we're going to talk about. Cool. What are we talking about? <laughs> um, I'm leaving this one to you. <laughs> so this week I'm doing my own secret Q&A, uh, which you might have seen, but probably haven't. And then, I, haven't, I haven't seen. Oh, good. Well, I hope you like the questions. Um, <laughs> if not, tough. Um, <laughs> and also, I'm going to talk a little bit about Drake and video games. My favourite subject, video games. Yeah. Drake also, but yeah, I, I'm quite excited to talk about that. Shabby, Bobby. I was tempted to maybe dip into Vero as a topic, but not massively. I was just going to like see because... Ooh. Yeah, I was. I got curious after you told me about it the other week, and I thought, hmm. I, I wonder how many people it. listening to the podcast have even heard of Vero. Yeah, because yeah. I, 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 didn't, I didn't really know much about it. Then I started doing some research, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Um, cool. So, right, I'm going to dive straight into it, because it's my, my Q&A time. Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. There's some Qs, and you do the As. And I do the As. <laughs> So, uh, ah, there's a good one I found that I thought was quite interesting. Um, By the way, just to to make this super clear, so all of this week's Q&A session, Q&A questions, I have had no foresight of before. (laughs) I will be hearing these questions the same time as you guys listening will be. Uh, So if my my answers are um, a bit rubbish, I (laughs) apologise. Fortunately, it's not like an interview and I'm going to be like, so I'm looking for an ideal uh, answer here. Um, yeah. But um, so equal pressure, right? Could be a really bad question. And it's just a bad question. That's, that's not <laughs> on you. me. So um, there was quite a cool one I found, um, which was um, if there was an eighth deadly sin, what would it be? Um, so do you know what all the seven deadly sins are? No. I mean, sorry. This oh, is wait, like wait, I can guess. I can guess. I, I, wait, I can. I can have an educated guess if I can remember them. It's turned so to a quiz, of, hasn't it? <laughs> one of them is. Is it? Uh, so one of them is adultery, right? Um. Mm, yes, kind of. Yeah, lust. Lust. Yeah. Is one of them? Uh, is it jealousy? Yep. Envy. Yep. Envy. Yeah. Sorry, that's the last one. It was. Um. I think I'm out. Yeah, no, fair enough. But the others. It's hard. It's one of those ones where, like, if you put on a spot, and again, I'm not trying to quiz you on these, just so you know, so you don't mention one that's already totally, like, one of the seven uh, uh, deadly sins. So, they are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Yeah, that's the... Pride is a sin. Yeah, apparently. I think it's more like pride in terms of, like, I guess arrogance. Right, okay, okay. <clears throat> so to, 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 to phrase it, uh, 
in a more kind of official phrasing, the perversion of the faculties that make humans more like gods, dignity, and holiness. Okay. Mm. What? <laughs> okay, I don't know what that was, but um... means nothing. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> I have put you on the spot with this, haven't I? <laughs> I would so... say, thinking about this in a modern world, using my North London slang, I would say like. <clears throat> Uh, being a douche <laughs> yep. is, is, should be a deadly sin. And I'll define what I mean by that. A, a douche is someone that... <clears throat> a douche is someone that one, does douchey things. Um, <laughs> they are just that person that, that does those cringe things, whether it be for Instagram likes or YouTube subs or whatever, or and they just do things that you wouldn't expect that person to do or that person is obviously doing for an for a, a gain in some way. Um, and just doing things that are, are not in line with that person and not in line with something genuine. Mm-hmm. It's all very fronted and it's all very... Um, can't think of the right word, but it's all it's all very superficial. I think that's the right word. Yeah. It, um, there's no there's no substance. There's no substance to anything this person is saying or sharing. And that is what I think a douche is. And I think that should be a deadly sin. I think God should smite one for being a douche. <laughs> I really like that. I think that's a great um yeah, it's a great one. It's kind of like the way I always think of it is like some people who try really hard as well. Like, it's just kind of, like you say, it's kind of like a front, but they're trying super hard to kind of do the cool thing or be a certain kind of way, but it just comes off as really, like, I don't know, not genuine, I guess. You already said people... Maybe people, that's... Maybe, maybe actually, thinking about it, maybe not being genuine is which would be the eighth deadly sin because the, I think the world would be a very different place if, if people were if people shared and were genuinely who they were mm-hmm. and not trying to impress or get validation from others. Mm-hmm. And if you see, you know, if you see and you, you speak and you listen to interviews from some of the most successful people, you'd be surprised with, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised with how many of them credit their success to accepting themselves mm-hmm. and actually just embracing that and going, I am who I am. I love who I am. If you don't like me for who I am, then you know, good for you, but it doesn't make any difference to me. Um, that is that is how they've been successful themselves, and that is how they've they've grown and kind of become become the people they are. So maybe having a thought about it a bit more as we've talked, I think maybe being genuine mm-hmm. or not being genuine, sorry, would be a would be the be the sin I would add. I like that. That got that got pretty deep there but i like that that's uh yeah i like the sentiment of that as well it's, it's such a nice thing to put as a reason for it as well we went from douchiness yeah. to uh actually making sure you're more genuine than just yourself well that's okay. right though we can take this we can well just to, just to elaborate on that point quickly before we move on this yeah. podcast is that this podcast is a great example we everything we talk about on this podcast are things that me and you both talk about and have talked about in the past you know, face to face without mm-hmm. anyone listening or us us being recorded. These were our conversations that we were just chatting about all this sorts of stuff. And 
whether or not we recorded this and release, release this as a podcast, we would still have this conversation because we have things in common and we get on well together, all this kind of stuff. And that is kind of the, the core of being, of being genuine. And, um, I think that would be a, yeah, a, yeah, a good deadly sin. Is it deadly sin or just sin? It is deadly sin. And yes, no, I agree. Nice. Okay. Um, so question number two of Alex's wildcard Q and a, if you were stupidly rich, I mean like stupid rich, like you just have way too much money. Uh, right. what extremely petty thing would you do just to piss people off? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting one. Um, what would I do? Really petty thing. So you do you have like certain things where basically don't don't think about anything where the the about the impact long term. Like you basically assume that it would be made okay again for them. So nothing like too serious, but just something where you'd that you'd find really amusing. So my so one thing I always enjoyed is the videos where people have like cling film across doorways, um, and people walk into it. It's always enjoyable. <laughs> Yeah, you'd be um, stupidly rich to do that. Do that? No, I know, but just doing it in like, <laughs> public places all the time. Like oh yeah, yeah, where? It, yeah, okay, okay. Doing I, stuff. <laughs> I would. I think I would like to do something funny with the places I have worked in in the past, mm -hmm. because I'm not having to worry about oh they're paying my salary or anything like that. I'd maybe like to just play pranks or do things like Nerf wars. In, oh, in the office so and uh, and you know just just things like that that people are afraid to do because honestly because they're scared or and you know I'm I fall into this as well sometimes you don't suggest things because you you kind of go oh well I know what the answer is going to be so I'm not even going to suggest the idea kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, and those kind of small things that may have a may not have an impact on anything. You know, it may not have a positive impact or anything to do with the organization, but just gives people fun, a little bit of a break. Um, I think that would be cool to do. I like that. Um, that would be like, because you'd have equal share of, some people would be really annoyed about it. And then the other half would be <laughs> like, this is amazing. Um, have you ever yeah, watched yeah, a, yeah. Um, a show called Community? I, so this is one of the ones I've, one of the programs on the list that many of my friends have talked about, but I've never actually got around to watching it myself. You should definitely um, watch it. What's it about? So community is <laughs> the description's not going to do it justice. So community <laughs> is basically about uh, a bunch of, um, I was going to say kids, but they're not kids like people who've gone, who are going to community college, which is basically in the, in the States, like um, a very basic college. Um, okay. Where so so kind of part of the joke at the beginning is a lot of people don't really care about it. They're just there to just get their degree and done. Um, yeah, and um, they basically get up to some really weird, bizarre adventures. So, right, I've got to add this show is by a guy called Dan Harmon, who uh, I absolutely love. So people who watch Rick and Morty probably will have heard of Dan Harmon because um, he's one of the creators. And it, his mind is, I'm pretty sure Rick and Morty pretty much does it justice. He's a bit all over the place. Like he has some pretty strange, wacky off the wall ideas, 
Anyway, the reason I mentioned it was there's an episode in Community where literally the entire college um, basically builds a a blanket fort. So there's like this huge war <laughs> going on. That's, again, I'm, like this show is just ridiculous, but there's a huge war between the blanket fort and the pillow fort. Um, and the entire episode is, is kind of done in a, in a kind of, you know, those kind of historical documentaries. Yeah. Um, but it just reminded me, you talking about those kind of Nerf Wars, I was thinking like that that would be a great thing to do as well. It's just, it's so annoying and inconvenient for anyone who actually wants to get anything done, but actually loads of people would really enjoy it. So, yeah, if you, if you kind of, if so based on the assumption, say you were stupidly rich, you'd go in there and say, right, I'm going to pay all of the basically lost productivity for the next few days if i just have like a week to do this crazy nerf war or whatever yeah and um, also give and give people the opportunity to go right you're not bound by anything here you're not bound by money you're not bound by <laughs> fear of losing your job or fear of saying something stupid or anything bound, like that bound by the law still though yeah oh yeah 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 we're not <laughs> My money isn't going to get my my money isn't going to get these people out of jail. We're not in America. I can't bail them all out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, actually, just quickly before you before we move on, so you mentioned yeah. Rick and Morty there, right? So I haven't watched Rick and Morty. I think <sighs> I've seen like some clips and stuff like that. But I want you to explain something to me. So mm-hmm. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen pictures and all that posted around Szechuan sauce from McDonald's. Oh, what God. is the story behind this sauce from McDonald's? Oh, my that's God. What I've seen about Rick and Morty. <laughs> So, oh, right. So what's the best way to explain this? Um, basically, a lot of the stuff that happens in Rick and Morty is very, um, it's a little bit random. So he will come up with stuff that just sounds big. He's basically kind of like a, a, a genius. The, the uh, So Rick, um, yeah. the older character. Um, and um, he has this really intense monologue to Morty, who's the the younger kid, if you've ever seen like the, the picture of the two characters, yeah. And part of that monologue, he talks about this Szechuan sauce from like 1994 or something when Mulan came out, and how he really misses it because it was amazing, and they've just never done it since. Blah blah. And it was just one of those things that you can imagine. Um, Dan Harmon was kind of just had come up with randomly while he was just kind of riffing with. Um, I forgot the guy's name, but there's a voice actor who does both Rick and Morty's voice, I think. Um, And they're both quite good friends. And you can see it being the kind of thing that they would have just come up with just off the cuff. (laughs) And um, it basically, I think it ended one of the seasons. And then McDonald's, um, who who basically, sorry, I should have said, this Szechuan sauce was at McDonald's. um, And it was a real thing. Yeah, it was a real thing in like 1990 something. Uh, I think 90, actually it would have been later than that, wouldn't it? Anyway, around the time when Mulan came out. Um, and uh, yeah, McDonald's basically picked that up and they were like, oh, cool. Okay, well, basically we're getting some free marketing. Let's release the Szechuan sauce. And then all these people just went absolutely crazy for Szechuan sauce. All these kind of like, I'm going to say, I'm actually going to say inverted commas out loud, as cringy as that is, um, hardcore fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and they just went crazy um, over it. Um, to be fair, that like the Szechuan sauce um, joke in the show was really amusing, but um, the 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 kind of reactions from it were, uh, in my opinion, completely like very much over the top. Um, yeah, it was a bit 
intense. So there's this one guy, I don't know if you saw the video, who was kind of jumping up on the counter at McDonald's and like screaming Szechuan sauce. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, really? Um, <laughs> I've heard they're only selling it in like, or in very limited McDonald's. So you've got yeah. to like, you've got to go out of your way to, to go to these one or two McDonald's, which sell Szechuan sauce. I'm not sure what on the McDonald's menu would go with Szechuan sauce. Chips? Uh, chicken? Oh, I guess <laughs> I guess chips and chicken go with any sauce, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, Szechuan. I love that. I love that word. It's a great word. Szechuan. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Szechuan. Um, I like, just like saying it, Szechuan. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying it right, but Szechuan. I always thought I was like Szechuan, and I was like... Szechuan. Was saying that right? <laughs> the words lost all meaning. But um, yeah, so it was a, a big thing because of that. Um, it's a really good show. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, and don't get put off by the like fanboy hype. Because um, actually, it's, yeah, it's a good show. All the episodes are on Netflix, I think. Yep, absolutely. Well, actually, on on the case of Netflix, a quick. This is Tangent. how this is how this is how uh, this is how off the cuff this Q and A is. What are your um, What have you been watching on Netflix recently? Um, oh, many things. Um, I actually I'm I don't know if I should admit this, but I'm I'm a really bad binger on there. I know I know it's kind of becoming more and more of a of a thing, but um, I completely I completed all or finished all of um. Uh, what's it called? Altered Carbon. That was really cool. It's okay. kind of like a um, like film noir kind of detective thing vibe combined with sci-fi world and um, Black Mirror kind of ideas. So um, basically people can kind of like download their memories and upload them to random bodies that are then called hosts. And this guy is hired, um, he's like a previous soldier, as are kind of detectives in all, all kind of classic detective things. Um, and he's hired to find out about who killed this very rich man who has no memory of dying because his like memory chip thing got destroyed. So he only had like the backup file and it's really cool. Like, yeah, very good show. Um, Interesting. I'm, that didn't give away any spoilers, by the way. That's literally the premise, um, even though I kind of said quite a lot. Um, if that's all kind of episode one um, stuff. Um, and then very recently, Suits, which I never used to watch, but now I'm really Suits. enjoying it. Yeah. Was that after Was that after um, episode one when we talked about Meghan Markle? Yes. Did that get you, that get <laughs> you right. interested in, uh, in Suits? I was like, you know what? I need to. I need to watch this show now. Everyone's t- been talking about it. Um, someone told me to watch it. Um, who I thought was someone who's not kind of, uh, say, very up to date. Put it that way. Um, it, it wasn't you, by the way. This isn't some extremely <laughs> aggressive way of saying. Yeah. Um, but you no, know, someone else mentioned it, and I was like, oh god, if they've watched it, then maybe I should uh, give it a go. And actually, I really loved it. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Like when I first watched it. I thought the characters came off a little arrogant to me. Um, That's lawyers for you, mate. hmm? That's lawyers for you. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then when I, when I then rewatched it, I was like, you know what? Actually, this is pretty good. Um, 
and now I'm on season three, episode something. Like it's it's yeah. What so has Daniel Hardman has done? Daniel Hardman started messing things up yet? Uh, yes. Cool. Absolutely. That's that's when it gets interesting. For me, I think I definitely preferred season one and two of Suits because every episode was like an individual case. Mm -hmm. So you kind of got some you got some closure after every episode, even though there were some kind of underlying storylines. But what happens between like seasons three and like six is that there are a lot of storylines that just go over seasons and like one case that goes on for like a season and a half. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I kind of, you, there are basically episodes that you can miss when you look back at it. Um, But yeah, it, it kind of, but then towards the later episodes, the more recent ones, they've got a lot more back into that kind of one episode, one case kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now because you've, you know, the character so well, you know, Harvey, well, you know, Mike so well, you know, Lewis, I love Lewis. Lewis is oh, he's awesome. Character. Yeah. Um, uh, and you know, Donna and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, the characters and then the case by case episode thing really, really works. Um, but there's an, there's a program on Netflix. I think you would really like Alex. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, it's a program. It's a documentary and it's called the final year. Don't know if you've seen it on your recommendation or anything, but I know you're a big Obama fanboy. And mm-hmm. this documentary is going through the final year of um, Obama's tenure as president. And they follow, the documentary follows three people. Um, can't remember the names off the top of my head. Uh, three of the people who work in his um, personnel. Uh, and they also have some interviews and some and some topics and lean in from from Barack Obama himself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, oh, geez, what's the what was the VP's name? Uh, is it John Kerry? Oh God, now you're testing me. It is John yeah. Kerry. Who was his VP? It was John Kerry. I think it was. One second. This is this is why you have a uh, computer open. Joe <laughs> <laughs> uh, Biden. Oh, Joe Biden. It wasn't Joe Biden. Who was the guy? This is going to bug me now. So sorry, guys. I'm going to have to search this. Uh, let's have a look. Who have we got? Da, 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 uh, oh, yeah, it was John Kerry. Secretary of State, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Oh, Joe Biden was the VP. John Kerry was the Secretary of State. Sorry, he's he's a key part of the documentary, uh, and they have a lot of interviews with him. Um, and he talks about a couple of the things that he wants to achieve in the final year, uh, like sorting out deals with Syria and stuff. But one <laughs> thing, one thing they say in the documentary, which is really interesting, is that a lot of the things that they're trying to put in place in the last year are things that will be really hard to unpick if they lose the vote, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting. Maybe they had the foresight of thinking that they, you know, they maybe didn't think. But it's really interesting because the the documentary was shot at a a point where there were loads of people um, potentially running for Republican uh, nominee, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously of which Donald Trump was one. Uh, And they're kind of going, "There's no way this Donald Trump guy is going to even get, you know, uh, lead the Republicans into the into the presidential race, let alone win." And then here we are. So it's a uh, for any Obama fanboys, anyone who wants to relive. That final year, but from a different perspective, I would definitely recommend the final year documentary on on Netflix. I'm going to watch that. 
That sounds really good. And sorry, I've just seen John Kerry's actually on the like banner of it as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, I, I bought that. I bought that up, increasing our chances of a Netflix promotion. <laughs> Netflix sponsorship. <laughs> yes, please. That'd be great. <laughs> Don't just get a couple of months for free. I'd be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. So, what was I going to say? I can't remember now. I was going to. Yeah, I've got. I've got one more. One more of my my uh, wild card Q and A. Okay. Um, so I've got a pick now. This is difficult. Um, okay, this this might be a really difficult one to answer. So I'm sorry to put you on the spot for this, but have you ever had an opinion that you've been fairly sure about, like had you know reasonably strong feelings on, and you did a complete 180 um, on it, as in completely changed switch sides on the argument. Um, yeah. Interesting. It's a hard one. Hard one to answer off the cuff as well. I think, so one thing that comes to mind mm-hmm. uh, pretty quickly, and it relates to something we spoke about in this episode two, so the last episode, uh, that wasn't a shameless plug for you guys to go and listen to episode <laughs> two, <laughs> but it was around um, uh, feminism and women. Mm-hmm. So I was, I, I very much was like, these bloody feminists, they're crazy women um, <laughs> that just want like, they just don't want equality. They actually want the opposite. They want men to feel the pain that women have felt uh, and like screw all of them and what do they know and all this kind of stuff. But then for me, kind of going into the world of work and realizing the actual equality gap between men and women mm-hmm. makes me think that Jesus, there is a lot of work to do. There is, there is so much and there are so many things that happen in our world and our society today, which is, which is negatively, which is, you know, it's, there is a negative outcome for women mm-hmm. um, or women don't get the opportunity or whatever. And I think for me, that's going to be one of my biggest learnings and kind of going, women do need or not just sorry, not women, not women need, but like the the whole issue around gender equality needs a lot more um, oomph behind it, and it needs to and it it needs to have such a large large voice because it is such a large issue. So, uh, what did you what do you think? Um, kind of what changed between like the 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 kind of counter feminist Kieran to the pro feminist Kieran? What was the kind of like? Was it just a case of you were just younger and I guess didn't didn't have much as much of like a a sight of it um, and you kind of got to experience it live or what was it that kind of made you was there like a, a particular moment that made you think whoa actually or was it just a, a kind of a just with time you kind of became more aware of it? So I don't think I I don't think I had like real world examples or real world experience at the time when I had those views. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think for me, that's the biggest one. I do still think that there are some batshit crazy feminists who are just crazy. But I think I'm learning that in all groups, there are those people who hold extreme views and values, mm-hmm. whichever yeah. whichever side of whichever spectrum you decide to associate yourself with. But I think for me, it was that kind of real world, real world experience and seeing it firsthand in society not not at any one particular place but seeing it kind of in 
in our world and reading more about it and and kind of just seeing some of the the really positive stuff that women have already done mm-hmm. um and just kind of thinking about it rationally and going there isn't a rational reason why why women are um outcasted so much in the 21st century where we have all these all these modern technologies all this modern thinking yet yeah, we still we, we still operate in such traditional thinking mm-hmm. um regarding regarding women in society but uh yeah i think the, for me that's the biggest 180 um we do go into this whole issue in, in a lot more depth um in the last episode but uh yeah i think that was i think that's my biggest 180 i like that um so i'll tell you kind of briefly on mine so although this is cheating a little bit because it's not completely 180 but um so <laughs> it's all right i'll allow you 176 degrees <laughs> thank you good wow, so precise i can't believe you got it um so um my 100 176% turn percent um degree turn um was on basically at school um we got taught um philosophy and we actually covered a little bit of Dawkins' God delusion thing. The Daw- yeah, the, yeah, Dawkins' God delusion, I think is what the book was called. Um, and um, there's a guy called Alistair McGrath who basically argued against um, Dawkins. And he actually wrote a book about it called, Daw- I think it's called The Dawkins Delusion. Um, and although even at the time I was an atheist, um, I kind of, I, I didn't really like Dawkins, but I thought, oh, he makes some kind of decent points and stuff. And I watched the debate that him and Alistair McGrath had. This is very kind of, they're both, they really know their stuff, right? Um, but Alistair McGrath basically argues against Dawkins about um, religion um, because he's actually a, I think, found again Christian, whatever the term is for it. Um and it was really interesting because it was the first time that I actually properly doubted um, kind of some of those kind of atheist arguments. Um, yeah. Cause obviously you cover a lot of like traditional stuff, traditional arguments and it's kind of like, okay, well this is, they're all really, really old kind of texts. Whereas this was really like modern stuff. Um, and I thought that was quite interesting because it really made me feel challenged in like my, my belief. Anyway, I, I not to go into religion too much, but that was uh, that was one where I thought, "Wow, God, that actually made me really reconsider my point of view." Um, and I love when that happens because it, it just makes you think about, "Yeah, why do I actually believe that?" Um, we need to yeah. do we need to we need to do way more of that. So there's this, um, I think it's a social theory or something called the echo chamber, and basically mm-hmm. it's around it's around how I might be butchering the definition of it but broadly it's when you surround yourself with the same thinking the same types of people and and that's what we do through our social media if you t- social media is a great example so we follow the people that are similar to us we follow our friends we follow celebrities who share some of the who share most of the same values as us who are probably the same way politically inclined as as you are um and they are sharing content they are sharing types of information that you're going to agree you're going to agree with mm. just because of that person and what they stand for what you stand for your values 
And so what you actually create is this echo chamber where everything that you see you agree with and everything everything is aligned with your values and your your you know what and your beliefs so what we actually do is we create this chamber where we're just everything we agree with and we we never actually experience read or see anything that is that disagrees with our voice and that makes us think twice about why we think about something in a certain way and it's definitely something we need to find a way to do more of because that is really how we challenge our challenge our beliefs and challenge the stereotypes especially with some of the really negative things we see in the world Mm -hmm. around opening our eyes and listening to commentary and listening to opinions that we don't agree with and and kind of not being afraid of that opinion or not being fearful of that opinion it is just someone's opinion and it's as valid as yours is um i think we definitely need to do a lot more of that Mm -hmm. and so so we can have situations like the one you just described yeah i think it's it's actually a really nice feeling because it it's never coming from like a plate like you as long as you're not being attacked by someone personally. Yeah. Um, it's quite interesting to kind of just think about, oh, okay. I kind of, I kind of understand their point of view. So I know a few people. So my sister, um, someone I, I work with, um, and a couple of friends, they actually purposely read newspapers and, um, kind of different websites that they know will be, um, completely the opposite kind of point of view to what to what theirs is, and yep. um, they do that because they want to see what the other kind of what's the other side of the argument. Um, hmm. And I don't know. I think it's a very healthy thing to do, right? Because that way very you actually have to think about um, why you think or why you believe what you believe, and if anything, it reinforces what you think. And if you change your mind, it means that you've actually considered. What what you yeah you consider your opinions and exactly um, which is more than what most people do <laughs> yeah and it's 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 definitely yeah a very well in my opinion healthy thing to do so and that's exactly what happened with this guy Alistair McGrath like I have so much respect for him I might, I might not have the same kind of um, beliefs as him um, but yeah the the guy is just awesome <laughs> like yeah he's really yeah. good um, but. No, I completely agree. I think that's that's something that that I would encourage anyone to go away and do, and just even if it seems really painful reading certain newspapers, and we all know the yeah. ones, um, <laughs> it can be quite nice actually to to kind of see that and and think, oh, you know what, I'm not I'm not angry because I disagree, um, kind of thing. You, you know, you get a bit of frustration sometimes. It's actually more of like a taking the time to think how how why you think they're wrong, how, how you kind of yeah. would argue against them. Um, one of the yeah. things I, one of the things I got taught at uni was to always have an informed opinion. Mm-hmm. So it's always, you know, you're, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but you've got to back your opinion up with some, with something. And uh, you can't, if you just keep reading things that agree with your opinion, you will, you will actually, it will probably be very easy to break your argument down or break your opinion down. Uh, but if you have that context of either side of an argument or, or from either, uh, an opinion that's opposite to to the way you think mm. it can really help you back up your opinion yeah, um absolutely help you so obviously there's this kind of this concept in in, in business of like a, a straw man and um, there's also a similar idea with these kind of opinions of like a straw man argument where 
if you're if you're not really taking into account the other side of the argument, you might end up arguing against. So, arguing against an opinion that doesn't actually exist from the other side because yeah. you don't understand the other side's um, opinion, which means that you're you're basically you're you're arguing against something that no one would ever believe <laughs> who's who's trying to, who would argue against you because that's just yeah. your point of view. And actually, it's it's really good to know what they would actually say to then really have to think about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, a perfect example of that, um, uh, and it's the last time I'm going to say this because <laughs> I can't feel like I'm plugging Alistair McGrath here for some reason. Um, but the, he, him, and Dawkins actually did a debate on YouTube, and it's all very uh, intellectual and everything. But it's it's just awesome. It's it's such a good like verbal kind of battle um, that they get into, and you can really it's it it's like a tennis match of of opinions, and you just kind of like oh actually oh yeah that is that's a really good point. That's a really good point. And you kind of back and forth constantly. It's great. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my one, 180. Um, Very interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, so let's get on to the, the meaty, the juicy, the uh, interesting other stuff. Um, one thing we wanted, we wanted to talk about this week was uh, well, Fortnite. Um, Fortnite, it's, Fortnite, Fortnite. <laughs> it's not, it's... I'm so, I'm so gassed to talk about Fortnite. I love it. I know we should we should definitely get sponsorship so we can play the game for free. Oh wait, yeah. Epic Games, Epic Games. Oh yeah, wait, yeah, it's free. Let's get free V bucks, V bucks, free V bucks, Epic Games. Um, so why why are we talking about Fortnite? What um what triggered uh, the, the talk about Fortnite? It's um just for those who don't know, Fortnite is um a battle royale third person shooter game, um which basically means um. A lot of different players drop onto one map, either as teams or individuals, um, and the area that's playable gets smaller and smaller. So you have to all kind of, over time, everyone gets into a, a smaller enclosed area. And if you're outside of that area, you basically, you will end up um, losing. Um, and the idea is that you eliminate each other um, until there's one survivor left or one team left who wins, much like the old Japanese film Battle Royale, which, by the way, if anyone who hasn't seen it, go away and watch that really, really good film. Um, and um, it's become very popular because it's a free-to-play game. It's, it's it's out as a... I think it's still an early release. Yeah, it's still um, early access. Early access, yeah. Um, on various different platforms, including PC and PS4. I don't know if it's gone to Xbox yet or not. Um, yeah, yeah, it's on Xbox, PS4. I've got it on my iPhone now. Nice. Which and I can cross-play with PC players. Nice. Yeah, that, that whole cross-form partying thing. Oh, we'll, we'll get onto that later on. But basically, it's, it's become a big thing because it's free to play um, and people just it's, it's a lot of fun to play. You get to build stuff as well, so you build your own forts and, and all sorts. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you've, if you've not really already heard about it. Um, but Kieran told me something recently. Um, apparently, there was a bit of a appearance by a celebrity. Oh, well, there's nothing apparent. All the all the videos, <laughs> all the videos are everywhere. So last Wednesday or Thursday, uh, we're in the UK, so we get caught out a bit by this American stuff. But a huge Twitch streamer by the name of Ninja, he's been on Twitch for many years, playing Halo and PUBG, uh, player unknowns battlegrounds. For for any of you who don't know, um, which actually is a very similar format to Fortnite, and we'll come across, we'll come up to we'll. 
discuss that similarity between PUBG and Fortnite later, but he has been streaming Fortnite probably since around October last year. And he comes up with some crazy gameplay footage. If you just search Ninja in YouTube, some of his some of his like final kill kill cams are like madness. Um, and <laughs> he has very quickly become one of the most popular Twitch streamers. And just last week, he managed to get an absolute epic squad together. Um, so he first of all did a game, uh, a duos game. So it was Ninja and one other person. And this one other person was Drake. Um, Drake was playing on his <clears throat> on his PS4. They were so they were they were duoing up and they played they played a map. Uh, watching the the gameplay back, Ninja one hundred percent carried Drake. I don't think Drake got one kill or anything. <laughs> uh, he got carried easily. Um, but then later on in that stream, uh, a couple of others joined. So Travis Scott, who's another rapper, for those of you who don't know, um, also joined. Uh, Kylie Jenner's baby dad. That's who Travis Scott is, um, and also uh, Juju Smith Schuster who is a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a great player, not so good at Fortnite. He's eight, but um, they broke <laughs> they broke a, a record on Twitch for most concurrent viewers for a non-championship uh, playing game. Mm-hmm. So they, they broke over six. I don't think the, the official statistics aren't out, but they definitely broke over 635,000 concurrent viewers. So... Yeah. That was, it's crazy. That's 635,000 people at the same time yeah. watching something live. And that something is four people playing a game. And that is incredible. Like gaming is, is getting more popular through YouTube and Twitch and all these kind of things. And things like this are just propelling it into, in, into the stratosphere. And, you know, when articles are coming up on BBC News around Fort, Drake playing Fortnite with Ninja... Like that's when you know things are yeah. things are turning up. I really like things that. Are getting real serious, especially like as someone who who plays a lot of games. I I'm really glad that it's becoming more of a mainstream thing. So I, I won't talk about this for a long time um, because I just think it's just churn, it's just recycling the same stuff. But the the whole conversation about video games um, promoting violence um, came up again after recent shootings. Not that recent anymore, but fairly recent in the States. Um, and it's nice that things like this are happening to kind of break down those those really, really outdated stereotypes. So even though it's a third-person shooter game, it's it's all very um, stylized and, and it's, it's very much like a kind of comic kind of feel. Um, by comic, I mean cartoony, not comic as in funny. Um, so um, I have a question for you quickly on that yeah. one. So my my sister um, is a year five teacher and a lot of the kids in her class play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. They they go home, play on their Playstations or whatever. Now in Fortnite, when you kill someone, there is no blood. All, all, all it is that someone gets knocked and then they're dead. Do you think that is good in the fact that it's not as realistic and gory? Or do you think it is bad in that kids are growing up being very desensitized to killing something or someone, uh, and that may spawn all sorts of um, not realizing the severity of killing someone or something? Um, okay, 
So, does do you remember the old Marriott games where you used to jump on um, the Goombas? Goombas is uh, the term for those little guys with the big heads and and feet and nothing else really. I don't think there's much of a body yeah, to yeah. them. Little brown guys um, with the like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> they are they are brown coloured with like a triangular head. We don't, you know what Goombas are. Don't 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 make this a, a thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> are you calling me a Goomba? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so let's not talk about Goombas anymore. Oh, sensitive. Um, so I forgot what I was going to say now. Oh yeah. So, um, right. Let's talk about the turtles. There we go. When you jump on <laughs> those turtles, um, you're basically killing that turtle or that Goomba or whatever. Um, I think it's very difficult to kind of say where the line is of I've now killed someone as in it's, it's quite intense and gory and uh, what's it called? There used to be, used to be a game called Manhunt, right? That game, yeah. that's a long time ago, PlayStation two game. That game was very intense. Um, it was really genuinely kind of murdering people. It was an 18 game, obviously, um, as you can probably tell from the description, um, and used to do be able to do all sorts of really messed up stuff. That for me is one that's clearly over the line uh, for kids. I think even for adults, I'm not really sure whether it's something. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a bit of a waste. There's so much other stuff games can do for people um, in terms of like storytelling and, and what makes games exciting. Um, but I don't think it's a bad thing uh, for kids to be playing that kind of thing where it's um, if there's no blood involved and it's it's kind of like, like I say, it's that stylized cartoony feel to it that um, makes it okay. In the same way that in certain films, like I watched Star Wars when I was a kid and people die in that. Does that mean I can't watch it because someone gets killed? Yeah. Then there's also obviously the whole argument of like, is it because you're actively, you're the person who is doing that? Does that make it worse? But then kind of more realistic first-person shooters like Call of Duty, um, those weren't always 15s. They were, you know, um, not even 18s. They were, they were, I don't know, 12? I want to say Peggy 12. Um, mm. But there's something, there's something very specific around pulling out your AR and showering a man. Yeah. And, but- and kind of going, let me fill my clip and then automatically release all these clip all these bullets towards that thing that's a very purposeful act and that's the but what i'm saying is it's, it's very difficult to to say where's the line because equally in in minecraft you might be able to kill someone with a sword and you know you're you're active you're the person who's actively doing that so i, I guess it comes down yeah. to the individual parents I, I do think that the ratings are there for a reason um and i think people do think about what ratings they put on games. Um, and I think, I definitely think it's something people, well, I say people, parents should think about when they're buying games for their kids. Um, not even necessarily just looking at the rating, but actually maybe familiarizing yourself with what the game's about. There's nowadays, most games will have gameplay videos out before the game's actually out. So you can get an idea of what, what's my kid actually going to be looking at when they play this. So um, I don't think that the the games themselves are, the cause, I think, potentially for some people that can work as a catalyst, um, but it's, it's. I think there's some other things that are much bigger reasons why people might act on those things. There's a lot to do with, um, 
well psychological issues and, and loneliness and being able to kind of hide yourself away with that and i think it's, it's more about supporting those people and if you're in in those people will have loved ones around them um a lot of the time not all the time um who can spot the kind of signs of you know are they are they really kind of hiding away and, and shutting themselves away and, and just obsessing over these things or might are getting a bit of balance um but i think generally speaking um unfortunately it's the very few cases that mean that people are um are then kind of thinking okay well the, clearly that's the reason i mean there's, there's a whole thing around you know it, is there a certain amount of like am i assuming this is the cause because that's what's happened so they've played a game they've gone and killed someone therefore the game is why they've killed someone which is like it's a very standard kind of like logical fallacy it's like, like a causal fallacy of well they've done this thing therefore that's why they've done it so they've used to play games they've gone then and, and gone on like a school shooting or something it's because they played games think about how many kind of young boys and teenagers um play video games don't get me wrong girls do as well but it's it's still the case that more guys play games than girls generally speaking probably because of the kind of um what kind of games are out there um but um i'm not sure you can use that argument with this though because it doesn't because the act of going out and killing someone is 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 killing someone yeah and you you it is a yes most people who play those kind of video games don't go out and kill someone but all you need is one crazy lunatic out of the millions that play the game to go i like this in the game i wonder what it feels like in real life Mm. and you've got tens of children or other people dead it's not like they're going to go out and vandalize something you know put graffiti on something this is they're going and taking lives yeah, but I think if you think about the the amount of people that play video games, I just, I just don't think there's any kind of causal correlation between playing games and going and doing that. I don't think that that is the logic. Genuinely, yeah. I don't think that some kids play games and go, you know what, I really like doing this in the game. I'm now going to go and kill someone. I think maybe it makes them more aggressive, potentially. I don't know, but... Um, I I personally don't think that that's that's a direct link between between the two in fact there are lots of studies out there that show um, yeah. there isn't any kind of correlation between playing games and um aggression um and yeah i think it's just it's just picking a very good it's just it's just been a scapegoat for it quite a lot because that's the it's it's a it's an easy oh, yeah, kind yeah. of thing to kind of to to assume like okay well in they played games where they use guns therefore they've gone and got guns to kill people i don't, I, I think it's it's a bit it's outdated now as well. I think yeah. we've come a lot further um, and it's just not an argument that stands anymore. I think there are just some young men, um, especially young men, unfortunately, in, it, because it, it tends to be young men um, who have other issues um, and that's what's causing that kind of behavior. Um, I think what would be interesting is to to have a look at it on a, not just in kind of first world countries, um, but actually second and third world countries as well, mm. to see whether that's actually more of a, of a of a kind of a pattern to do with like the age and the kind of frustrations that you kind of go through. Um, 
at that age than than having access to video games. But yeah, it's it's very difficult. A lot of these kids have a lot of, and I think it's very it's very natural for for especially young men, teenage men, when going through puberty and that phase of life, having that aggression mm-hmm. and having that the world's against me kind of mentality, and, yeah. and maybe and maybe these games are a way for those for those kids to release, um, and maybe. Yeah, but obviously that you know, we'll, you'll never really know that but those kids were able to release their anger through the video game. But maybe it is providing that release to those to some to some people. Uh, but maybe for some, it's not enough. But maybe it's, it's there to provide a yeah, as I said, a release of release of that energy. Um, but yeah, so without without going too deep down into this, because I think you are right. Fortnite is a very it's a it's a very cartoon based game. It's not supposed to be a serious, realistic first person shooter like a Call of Duty, like a um, basically any other first person shooter. So it definitely has it has a different type of audience, I think. Than mm-hmm. and being free as well, being free is a huge thing. Um, I know when I first started watching Fortnite videos, a lot of video, a lot of gameplay videos I watch online. Yes, I watch gameplay videos. I waste a lot of time watching gameplay videos. <laughs> a lot of the games you have to pay for. And honestly, for me, that's the barrier. You know, I enjoy watching it, but I'm not going to pay the 50 quid or whatever to to buy the PlayStation game or download it on a PC or whatever. Whereas when I found out Fortnite was free, I was like, damn, this thing is free. I must get on it. And I think that model of the free game thing is something that I think more and more people use. And I think it's got more applications outside of outside of gaming as well. Yeah, um, it's very it's very interesting. And, and if you look at the amount of users they've been users and, and uh, players they've been able to um, generate over the last five months that they've been running Fortnite, like these are crushing statistics that any game, even the most popular games, even like FIFA and things like that, would be killing for numbers like these. Um, do you think it's a wave? Or do you think that this that Fortnite will be able to kind of carry on and sustain as the months and years go by? Um, I think so. That kind of model of, of what they're doing is fairly new. Um, so there's different elements to it, right? So one one of the things that they're doing, so the way they make money is through microtransactions for aesthetic items. So microtransactions. Yeah, exactly. So kind of loot boxes so there's good and bad ways of doing it um so microtransactions first became a thing when um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go way back in history here so i say way back it's this video games it's not that long ago um <laughs> so games used to be um as many will know you buy a game and you pay 40 pounds or 50 pounds and you play that game and that would be the whole thing done then you started getting something called um, downloadable content and DLC was something that people used to then download after they've completed the main game, they get a bit of extra content. Some games would then have multiple DLCs. Um, often DLC would be a whole new story. So I think a good example of this was Sims, right? The first Sims that came out, you had the base game, you you got your job and family and did all that house buildy stuff. Then you started having Hot Day, and which was the one where you get to like date other Sims and then you had the like... Um, ones where there'd be 
be about becoming becoming a Hollywood star or doing all the way to making magic. And since then, it's it's obviously it's had many iterations. Um, until uh, Microsoft suggested, ah, you know what? Um, rather than giving people this whole big extra package, how about we we get extra money from people by giving them little tiny bits of um kind of yeah did bits of downloadable content so bethesda way back when and i think this was for um oblivion released um the first kind of the first form of microtransaction um where you could buy like an and a cool skin for your horse um so yeah. your horse would have like this shiny metal uh, gold kind of armor thing and it would cost you two quid or something um and that kind of that became much more popular um so recently you'd, you'd have things like um battlefront and battlefront 2 actually had a really bad experience with this um where you could buy certain loot boxes and that would give you um not only aesthetic items but actually competitive advantage so that's actually an example where i think most gamers would argue um it was done badly because i don't want to have to pay to win i think that's the phrase that yeah. people use a lot pay to win right um, so you'd even get this with some mobile games because mobile games are really hot on this microtransaction thing. If I want to be good at it, I just need to keep buying stuff to make myself better. Um, a lot of kind of like um, Korean and um, Asian kind of um, MMORPGs, so World of Warcraft kind of type things, um, for those not in the know, um, they do this a lot. So you'd have to keep spending money just to make sure that you're you're the best. Um and it's interesting because Fortnite now, um, as well as um, Counter-Strike um, and um, Play Unknown's Battlegrounds, and I'm sure there's many, many other examples, they have these aesthetic loot boxes, which they make money off, where people just buy like a key to unlock certain loot. And it, it's not just that, but you actually get to, at least for Counter-Strike, <clears throat> um, resell those skins for actual money. So there's there's a there's a marketplace for it. Um, and it's quite an interesting model because it means that they can put the game out for free and it's a, a fully, I say fully developed, it's still early access, but it's playable, right? There's it's very playable. people playing it. Um, it's not an alpha or beta where you know, oh God, it's going to bug out all the time. I'm, it's going to crash. I'm going to have all these issues. It's it's still very playable, but they can do that because they're, they're kind of getting this constant revenue stream from, from all the microtransactions. Um, and it's it's really challenging the traditional way of, of releasing games because it used to be we announce a game, you've got to wait for ages, it comes out, big boom, tons of sales all in one go. Um, everyone spends the money on the game, maybe you have a bit of DLC and that's pretty much it. These games are now, especially because they're online games, they're more about, I'm going to give you this game for free. Look how much fun it is. Oh, and the more you play it, the more you're going to want to buy like particular skins or things where you feel like you're in control of what you have to buy. So you don't have to buy anything. Um, yeah. And they, they make their money back that way and they can kind of continue to improve it. So both because they release it really early, um, not too early so that people can't play it. Um, but because it's early, they can kind of they can start making some of the money back that they've spent on the development of the game itself already. Um, yeah, Fortnite's Fortnite's a, Fortnite's a great example of, yeah. I think, how you do 
how you launch a game very successfully. So there's no, there's no pay to win. So it's, as you said, all of the, all of the things you can buy are skins and things like that. And the being cross platform is huge. Yeah. um, Because you're, you're then opening up the user base to a huge amount of people. Um, and being able to to cross play with your friends across different platforms means that there are very li- there are very few reasons why you can't play with your friends, which is huge for a game because that's that's really what you want to do. You want to play with your friends, and Fortnite gives you everything that you need to play with your friends very easily. And it's very interesting because uh, PUBG, so Player Unknown Battleground, it follows a very very similar concept to uh, Fortnite where you know you land and all that kind of stuff and um apparently fortnite sorry uh uh pubg were going to launch a a lawsuit or a complaint or something around fortnite um because they thought it, it was a very direct imitation of their game but uh but it's very interesting that epic games the company that make fortnite their unreal engine so that what they use to power their games actually powers pubg <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's the, so, go on their their hands are their hands are quite tied and, and that's where epic games have kind of got the high ground to use the uh to use the fortnite analogy to get the high ground it is you know they've got that that kind of understanding of and they've got that engine which is the most powerful thing that powers you know not only their game but others games too so they can get the money and the revenue from other games but use that to, to fund their, basically their kind of their enjoyment project. Like I can imagine being a developer of Fortnite must be so much fun because all these guys are probably gamers themselves. They want to make the game better. They know what it's like from a gamer's perspective. And, you know, that's what you want. That's how you create a game that is relatable, that is, um, that is successful and I think they've really they've hit the nail on the head on in so many areas. Um, and YouTube and Twi- Twitch streamers have one hundred percent helped reach their outreach. Um, I've been watching, you know, uh, Fortnite streams for probably since around October last year, and I've I'm not very good, but I've definitely started playing. <laughs> uh, I'm so bad, like. On the PlayStation, it's impossible. I don't know how anyone plays on the PlayStation. And I just downloaded the iOS app the other day. And if I'm rubbish on the PS4, I'm useless on uh, on iOS. I tried to pickaxe a guy and I had a flipping shotgun um, <laughs> uh, just because I forgot to click back to to the shotgun. Um, but yeah, I think they've really they've really hit the nail on the head. And it what you were talking about opens up the whole concept of basically just downloadable games. Um, we've been talking about getting rid of physical discs for a while now and not just in gaming, but well, in music, we've pretty much got rid of physical discs, but there is a, there is a rumor, uh, a, a very strong rumor, and it'd be very interesting to see whether this materializes that. So FIFA, you know, biggest football game, most sold football game. So they operate on a yearly basis release date. So the last Friday of September, every single year, the new FIFA comes out. And before this meant queuing up at your Asda or midnight. Now people just get it off Amazon or just download it straight from the PlayStation store or the Xbox, um, Xbox store. Don't know what the Xbox store is called, (laughs) but they are, they are contemplating using this approach 
where what they actually do is they provide a core game, so a core platform, and every month or every two months, they'll actually provide downloadable content which sits above that base platform. So they won't be introducing a new game every year with you know, better defending or something like that. They will actually be phasing releases of the game that sit on a, a core platform of the FIFA game maybe every month, maybe every two months, maybe every three months, um, and potentially pricing it on a subscription-based service, mm-hmm. which is a really, really interesting way of approaching a game that has, you know, people become very comfortable with yearly releases of FIFA. And I, I if EA do that, and if EA do it for FIFA, I 100, I'm pretty sure they'll do it for UFC, they'll do it for NHL, they'll do it for all their other EA games. And it's a very, very interesting uh, way that that kind of industry and that those games are moving and i'm i'm very excited for that because that's one of the things around fifa you know you play it for the first two months and it's exciting but it gets it gets stale very quickly even if you're playing ultimate teams and things like this so if there is going to be a constant stream of updates and new things that you know that is how you engage and keep an audience um so i'm very excited if that if that rumor is true i think i think it's a good idea um my, my only thing would be are they actually going to charge full price for the base game? EA, so I have a fairly strong opinion on EA um, as a company and um, what their kind of what their impact's been on the gaming industry. But um, I wonder whether they're actually going to still release the original, the, the the kind of core game for the full price, and then I wonder how much they're going to charge for like the the kind of the, the extra content that's going to be coming out i love the idea i love the concept i just want to see how they execute it because what they did with battlefront 2 had a huge backlash and for good reason because people were just saying like what's the point why like you're just gonna have to you're just forcing me to spend tons of money and ea have only just recently gone back on on um on the loot boxes um because of this huge kind of backlash from the game community which is actually something i'm i'm quite I'm really proud that it's a community that does actually, it has such a big say um, and it, it, what their, their reactions make a big difference to how these companies act in comparison yeah, to other industries because they, people really do all get kind of um, grouped together to, to react. But I mean, it has its disadvantages. Sometimes it's just, you know, kind of, it's just people getting angry and it's, it's all very kind of uh, pitchforks and torches, but um in this case, I think I think it's quite a good thing. I think people who who are really into their gaming, um, they actually hold it very dear. So they they're just trying to protect, um, kind of the industry and the way these games are made. I, I, and like I say, I, I love the concept. I hope they really they do that um, and they make it kind of for someone who would only play FIFA with like their friends locally every now and then. That would be great because yeah. I'd be more likely to actually buy it. Um, yeah. For those people who do play it regularly and play it online and do like ultimate team and stuff, um, great. Then they actually there's this yeah, actually kind of have a better kind of um constant revenue from it. But it does raise a question, um, I think, for kind of the creation of, of more original content. I don't know whether it means that studios who are creating really, really good games um, are then encouraged to create a game that's like an online 
uh, multiplayer type game that they can because because you can make more money from it. It's more constant. So you'll find that more more games that are like RPG kind of games become less popular. So you know one of the huge recent RPG games, so role playing games for for again for those who who aren't kind of familiar with that genre. They're, they're about having a character that you build up and you put you kind of level them up and put certain points and certain stats and stuff and you kind of you you play that character sometimes you can even make your own character um and one of the really big kind of successful ones was the witcher 3 um most recently and they, they won a ton of awards and it, it was a really really well made game um but they they will fall that they're, they're going to have the issue of i'm being they're getting the the money for that one payment for the game they're not getting that constant money coming in um yeah. and you do wonder like companies like bethesda so bethesda make a ton of really really good games um i think that the two biggest series people will know about are skyrim um and the elder scrolls series um and fallout um and they actually moved the elder scrolls to a, a nmmorpg format so basically again this kind of big multiplayer online experience um, because they thought, well, actually, you know what? Um, we're probably going to make more money off of this by, um, yeah. well, by getting this kind of online experience. We So they did the old kind of World of Warcraft model of let's have a subscription. Um, they also have kind of DLC and stuff. I think they might have dropped the subscri- subscriptions by now because it's getting a bit outdated. Um, but... Um, it meant that a lot of people were kind of like, oh, well, I actually played Skyrim and Oblivion and all those games because I liked the single-player experience. I liked that I got to explore an environment and got to play my character and stuff, and it was all a lot more immersive. Um, it's very different kind of feel, and I wonder whether um, all these games that are kind of looking at doing more microtransactions or releasing content regularly for people to to kind of to keep buying... Um, are going to mean that you'll have less games like The Witcher and and Skyrim and oh, there's tons of them, but but that's kind of going to become less and less popular to do because it's e- it's it's easier to develop a big game and add more content to it and just that that extra development to add more content is a lot cheaper than creating yeah. a whole new game. Um, and I wonder whether that will have an impact on actually creating more original kind of games basically with original stories and actually the depth to those games as well again like which is a perfect example tons of depth but um it's win-win it's win-win really because for the player there's new stuff there's always new things to do new things to see new things to to get to make yourself unique from other players but then it's also beneficial from the organization because they're going to have a constant revenue stream they're going to have an additional revenue stream they are going to have that communication where their their players are or their customers are transacting with them more often. Mm-hmm. So there's an even there's an opportunity to upsell even more. Um, so it, it's a win win for both, and I think it's uh, it's one of the industries where, well, as you I think you hit the nail on the head earlier that the community and the developers are really in sync with each other, and they really are both trying to make each other's lives better. <laughs> mm. uh, and I think a lot of industries would probably learn from the gaming industry. Yeah. I, I do, do believe that. I do. I do think though that they, they can, um, it, I hope that there'll be publishers and third party kind of, um, 
companies out there who will keep continuing to create um, kind of new games and whole new games rather than just will end up having these games that kind of they have a, a lifespan of five, six more years because there's just more content being added to them constantly. It's nice to have games that are kind of bringing something new and different in, in there. Um, but I think realistically that's, it's not going to go away. So yeah. 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 Okay, gaming's gaming's in a good place. I think right now, gaming's yeah. in a really good place. Uh, esports has done huge for gaming, and it's Absolutely. got it's giving it all sorts of attention. And gaming is now it's when when people when big companies are sponsoring events, when big companies are interested in esports, mm-hmm. when Manchester City are hiring an say. esports are hiring an esports player in their team. That's when you know we're at a point where people are starting to take this stuff seriously and um the gran turismo academy is a great example where they had loads of people doing time trials over a period of year over a period of a year i think it was and then they took a lot of these these drivers um to courses where they would actually drive real cars on the exact courses they, they were doing the time trials in in the game and i think a few of the drivers have actually gone on to uh, drive professionally now because they have, because to become a professional race driver in certain classes, you've got to have a certain number of hours on the track. And a lot of these organizations are now accepting online hours as part wow. of that training. Uh, and so this is now opening an opportunity for gamers to, to you know, become professional race car drivers. And I'm sure in the future to be able to become, you know, uh, get embedded in loads of other industries too. So it's really exciting for, for gaming and the gaming industry as a whole. It's definitely, it's nice because it's one of the industries that I think it's moving very quickly and it's one that's always had a huge influence with, with what's been kind of yeah happening. Like it reacts very, very quickly because it has to. It's adapted, hasn't it? It's adapted as well. Yeah, it's great. Like it's it's a really, really exciting kind of, there's always something new going on and people are always, it's also another place where, where people come up with crazy ideas and, um, and they'll just try it. I think, uh, to be honest, you know, I, I know Nintendo gets a lot of kind of uh, <laughs> grief for um, some of the more wacky ideas they've had in the past, but they're one of those companies who actually really aren't afraid to try something different. And when it works, it does, yeah. it works really well. And obviously, like, kind of how people, what people have seen with the Wii U, when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But right now, the Switch has got a huge amount of sales. In fact, I think yeah. in like the first few months they sold more Switch consoles than they sold in the entirety of the the kind of the Wii U life. Um, Keep plugging them. I really want a Switch. Yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah. uh, so, like, I've got one, um, and I'm happy to lend. Oh, do it to you? you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they, like, what they've done there is is it's quite clever because clearly a console like that, because it's portable, it's not going to be quite as powerful as the other two but they're not trying to directly compete with PlayStation and, and Xbox. They're trying to do like something a bit different, a bit more innovative. Um, and now because they've kind of created this console that's portable, but it's powerful enough to really play some, some, well, some decent kind of 3d graphics. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I want to say 3d. I don't mean actual 3d. Obviously I just mean like 3d, uh, polygonal <laughs> kind of shapes and stuff. Um, it's, it's obviously doing really well. Um, so they released like Doom and Skyrim and 
even Rocket League and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. stuff like this cross-platform partying you're talking about with Fortnite is a really big deal because actually if I own a Switch, I can start playing Rocket League, for instance, with um, people on PC. That's not, not happened yet, but it's something that Psyonix, the guys who um, published and develop uh, Rocket League, are looking into to try and release for this year. Um, but it just it means that you know you're having that console. Um, you can have games that are almost as good graphics as the most re- as the current generation, but as good as the the generation just before that in terms of consoles. Um, but I can also still play online with a huge um, player base. Um, so yeah, I yeah, think I think well. It's, uh... Yeah, there's always. I think there's always going to be cross-platform issues, though. Sony and Microsoft, yeah. you know, don't get along, <laughs> and they don't get along for a reason. Um, but, but yeah, maybe I, I, they definitely. I think maybe games and platforms are the way to to unite them. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe we will. Maybe we will see some Xbox, PlayStation um, collaboration. Not collaboration. What's the word? Um, you know, where you can play from both. PlayStation and Xbox because I think you know those those are still the the most high selling uh, consoles and you know they would you know with the Xbox One um, uh, what was it called Project Scorpio what's the what's the new one called Xbox One S S yeah yeah and then you've got the PS4 Pro you know these things are also trying to compete with PC as well and PC you know PC gaming PC gamers are very protective over their PCs. And the uh, the benefits yeah. that the PC ecos- PC ecosystem gives them, which I completely get, but the uh, yeah, I think as 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 PlayStation and Xbox continue up that technological path, as well as if they can if we can get cross platform games, then I think it's it's, uh, it's going to be a big win for the console guys. Yeah, I think. What what they'll need to continue to do now, which they've already started doing, is stop releasing so many consoles, um, so regularly, um, so that the yeah. life they basically they're trying to expand the lifespan, right? So one of the things that um oh, I can't remember the spokesperson for Nintendo said that they wanted the Switch to last between six and eight years, um, so maybe they'll release like a a Switch Plus version, whatever, like something the version that's yeah. got a slightly better hardware. Because they want people to kind of be able to continue to use it, and uh, rather than having to kind of invest in that, it's it's that big kind of investment in one go. That's why I think. So that's personally why I started um, PC gaming because I was sick of having to buy the new console every time there was a new generation. No one forced me, but I knew that the content would go onto that, so I might as well get it. And with yep. PC, it was always nice and easy, and just replace a graphics card. I mean, let's not get into crypto mining. Unfortunately, that's kind of driven up the the, the graphics prices a lot um but generally it was always um it was always cheaper um but yeah very interesting yeah i think we should uh i think we should leave it at that i think we've we've indulged our gaming uh i i think we're both we're both big gamers and if you aren't if you listen to this and you're not a big gamer i would recommend um just kind of reading a bit about gaming because it is an industry and a an area in which there's been lots of investment over the past year and there will continue to be. And it is, it is as we've kind of 
touched on in, in in our little discussion about it, it is an area that is is really thriving. And Fortnite is a great example of of a game that has you know got people's attention very quickly and on a very low budget. And it can really be used as an example and as a business model outside of gaming as well. Um, and so for any of you guys thinking around who are business led and thinking about management and things like that, this type of business model is something we haven't really seen before or really been successful before. Uh, and so games such as Fortnite, you know, prove that things can work this way. Uh, so it's really interesting case study, at least to learn about um Gaming as a whole, but but you know Fortnite specifically, and with people like Drake and Travis Scott, you know, bigging up Fortnite, you know, it's only going to do it good things. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting one today, Alex. Yeah, I, I like the spontaneous Q and A, the wild card Q and A, wild card Q and A. Yeah, I think we'll do a bit more of that. I enjoyed that. Um, if you guys did enjoy the podcast, please do uh, subscribe. We plan on releasing a new episode every week so to keep you entertained on your commute as you stand clear of the closing doors so uh, please do subscribe so you guys get notified when there is a new podcast live Um, we will hope to keep pushing out lots of our opinions and talking about some of the stuff that's going on in the world we hope you're enjoying it i'm definitely enjoying it alex (laughs) so far are you yeah absolutely obviously obviously he's talking to me of course Uh, (laughs) so yeah so it's been it's been a great episode this one uh thank you guys for listening we will catch you in episode four thank you guys thanks